Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Aschuti, Tulane University Freeman School of Business professor and director of the Birkenrode Reports. It's business New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Although this is a show about business in New Orleans, once in a while we have to admit there's some pretty interesting things going on an hour or so west of us in Baton Rouge. There are two impressive institutions in Baton Rouge, and I'm not including the state legislature. One is the Pennington Biomedical Research Center. It has over 450 employees. They work in 43 laboratories on a 200-acre campus focused primarily on researching causes and cures for chronic diseases. And then there's the LSU Innovation Park. It's an incredibly successful business incubator and technology transfer office. In the last 20 years, it has generated $22 million and created 134 full-time jobs in Baton Rouge. The associate director of the Pennington Biomedical Research Center is Dave Winwood. The assistant executive director of the LSU Innovation Park, well, that's also Dave Winwood. Welcome, Dave. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Christina Womack is a New Orleans native. Christina's business covers New Orleans, the North Shore, Southern Mississippi, and Southern Alabama. Christina employs 10 independent contractors when you need one of them, they'll show up in your house or school in an unmarked vehicle. The reason the vehicle is unmarked is that there is apparently a social stigma involved with Christina's business, and that is killing lice. Christina's business is called Nitpicking in NOLA. I love that. Christina founded it in 2009, and although people might be reluctant to admit they use it, business is booming. Christina, welcome out to lunch. Okay, good afternoon. <laughs> Dave, I'll start with you. The Pennington Biomedical Research Center and Innovation Park, they're both connected to LSU. They're both major operations with big budgets and lots of moving parts that include everything from high-level medical research at Pennington to an app that tracks the retail price of crawfish at Innovation Park. <laughs> from looking online and reading about what you do, it seems that you have two full-time jobs and either of them would be a great gig and extremely demanding. What does your work week look like? Uh, do you divide your days between two offices? Uh, how does having two jobs uh, like this work? They are both great gigs, in fact. <laughs> uh, they're, uh, I'm very fortunate that both institutions are, are close together. They're three or four miles apart. And so that makes life fairly straightforward in terms of uh, you know, who's where and who's on first. I have learned to remember to save everything to a Google Drive so I don't have to <laughs> say, no, it's on the wrong computer. Uh, I am more or less, it's a dual appointment in essence at this point, so I'm spending about three quarters of my time at the Innovation Park and about the balance of my time with Pennington. Uh, there's a lot of overlapping pieces there. Both uh, roles involve business development and that is primarily focused on looking for opportunities for either our faculty at Pennington 
or our incubator tenants and park tenants at the innovation park to generate more revenue, more money, more job creation, and really to keep those things sticking in Baton Rouge, to grow the local economy based on the research that's being done uh, at, at Pennington and based on the assets and resources we can provide to wannabe or startup companies uh, in, the, in the innovation park. Now, Christina, anyone whose kids have come home from school with lice knows uh, what an enormous amount of aggravation is involved in getting rid of them. Uh, you have to get the toxic, foul-smelling shampoo from the drugstore, comb the nits out of your kid's hair, and then wash everything they've worn or sat on in the last 24 hours, and put all of that in the dryer for some recommended amount of time at a high temperature to kill everything. You sit on eggshells for the next few days thinking, every time you feel the slightest itch that the lice have come back and you've got them too. So when in this cycle do you and your nitpickers show up? Uh, it, and what do you do that's different from us doing it ourselves? Well, typically we have clients who have tried to do it. There's two types of clients. Ones that have done it themselves. They've gone to the drugstore picked up the medication and done the treatment and they're just not sure they've gotten everything out. So they'll call us and say, can you come double check our work? And we do that. And then we have other parents who, they don't want to touch it. Ah, they want me. nothing to do with it. So they call us and we start the process and finish it and handle everything that's needed, to, you know, that needs to be done, the combing, the treatment. Um, anything that needs to be done in the home, we guide the parents with to let them know what they need to do and what they don't need to worry about. We do it typically in the kitchen. Kitchens usually have the best light, especially here in New Orleans. Everyone loves to cook. So we have tons of light and we work on the children. Now, most children, we all know, misbehave for, our own children will misbehave for us. But when you're dealing with a stranger, kids really behave and we've never had an issue. So in the nine years I've done this, I, you know, the parents are like afraid that the child will wiggle or squirm or just won't sit for us, and it's never been an issue. How many kids have you, I don't even know what these terms are, checked out or treated? If for myself, probably between five and six thousand over the course of since the business started myself, yes. Wow. Now, you made a big decision a few years ago to go from the New Orleans area to start going along the, the southern Gulf Coast. Mm -hmm. That's a big business decision. It is, because I found that as people were looking for it just in the New Orleans area, like I did when it happened to my family, uh, there was nothing in Mississippi or in Alabama, and we were getting calls from people, come help me, come help me. And I decided at that point it needed to expand a little because people really want help with this. And they struggle with it sometimes for weeks or months. What got you into this? I had four children. We went to get their haircut before school and they all had lice and I was nine months pregnant with my fifth child. Whoa. So we were really <laughs> freaked out about the whole thing. My husband happened to, leave, to be leaving to go on a business trip and told me, you can handle this. <laughs> you got this. And I've never had it in my life. so. But I was pregnant and I knew that I couldn't use anything toxic. And I also had a child oh, who was, right. um, his asthma wasn't under control at the time. So the pharmacist had told me, you really can't use anything over the counter because it will, he will have an asthma attack. So I had to go the all natural method. So I did research, being a paralegal, I know 
to research. Right, you're good at that. And so I researched the CDC, the National Pediculosis Association, not mom blogs or just blogs. I went to people who knew what they were talking about. I actually talked to an entomologist and found out the facts that I needed to worry about, and I got it out. But I was, after I had done everything, I then flew to Houston after giving birth three days later to have my own head checked because there was no one in the state of Louisiana that did this. And I didn't have it, but By I way, needed that. By the term, have your head checked. Yes. A, I want to <laughs> clarify a little bit. Yeah. And I needed that warm, fuzzy feeling to know that I didn't have it. And I didn't. But, you know, and then I realized at that point that there definitely needs to be something like that in New Orleans, if not just New Orleans, but Louisiana. I've got to ask you, you have bragged about in a lot of the, in a lot of the literature about this LIFT program. Mm. What is it? Because it seems to give you a big advantage. Uh, the LIFT program is, is really a very uh, cleverly uh, designed and thought out program, which provides an opportunity for uh, faculty at the LSU campuses to submit proposals for what would typically be called proof of principle funding. And this is money which is not large on the sort of federal grant scale, you know, where if federal grants may be in the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars sometimes. This is money that would be hard to get a hold of from the federal government because they don't deal in small numbers typically. So this is maybe up to $50,000 for a faculty member to, to perform a series of experiments with a target of uh, learning whether or not their hypothesis is going to lead to something that will be commercially interesting. has to be scientifically valid and sound as well, but the outcome that is, is really being looked for here is a path to a commercial output and product. And the nice thing about this is the money, for the most part, comes from royalties that have been generated by other by licenses uh, that have been executed on existing LSU technologies. If I might brag a little bit about Pennington's success in that, we're smaller than the other campuses in the, in the system. Uh, we have had one really nice success uh, where a couple of our uh, star professors submitted a proposal to this LIFT program in the first round of the application process and were successful in getting additional funding to perfect an app which basically takes advantage of their expert knowledge on nutrition, weight loss, dietary input and management, and uh, provides people with smart tips, if you will. Uh, you're getting out of your zone. You need to you know, think about what you're taking in to, to consume today and so on, what exercise you're doing. We were fortunate to uh, have some other faculty member who had a connection with uh, the, the Amway Corporation. Uh, which interestingly, and I wasn't aware of this until we had this uh, exchange, is, is heavily involved in nutrition products, mainly in Asia, Europe, uh, and Australasia. And they have a very high level of interest in providing, obviously they want to sell nutrition-based products, but they want it as a sort of a side tool for their, for their sellers to be able to provide a scientifically validated approach that would guide people through their, their, their weight loss program. And so we were able to secure an agreement with them, and uh, I think we've we brought in some royalty monies, uh, but also they, Amway did a lot of development work at Pennington, so somewhere like three-quarters of a million, close to a million dollars, uh, has now been leveraged back into Pennington from that initial 
$49,000 lift proposal. Well, that's, so that's that a actually, great start. It works. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Dave Winwood from Pennington Biomedical Research Center and LSU Innovation Park, and Christina Womack from Nitpicking in NOLA. Christina, I asked four or five mothers uh, if they'd been in this situation, and each of them have had someone come to the house, it was probably you, and I asked them how much it cost, and none of them knew after they had paid this, because it seems like it's not a very price-sensitive kind of thing. It, do you find that? It's, um, I just want to get rid of these lice? Yes. Yeah, I would think, yes. yeah. I don't see it. I've, I've had people, I don't care what it costs, and it, it doesn't cost that much. But well, it's, any idea, I mean, just range? Is it, it can cost between um, 100 to $200, depending on how many individuals are checked or treated. That's right, because that's right, if, like, if you went to a house, you'd have to do the entire house. Correct. Is it only kids that get lice? Well, no. Adults get it, too. It's typically moms who end up with it. Dads don't. From the KIDS? Yes. Oh, I kind of thought it's, this. And I think the reason or the science behind it is that dads don't love their children as much. <laughs> oh, and oh, so, oh, <laughs> wow. Or what it could be that typically lunch. women have longer hair. Oh, yeah, typically. that could. I'm going to go with B. <laughs> but it's a very nice to- <laughs> All right, now, Christina and Dave, this is the part of the show we call the checklist. I have a list of 43 random questions in front of me. I'm going to ask you to pick a number from 1 to 43 and do your best to come up with an answer. And uh, Christina, I was just with you, so I'm gonna stay with you on this one. So what number do you wanna go with here? 39. 39, 39, 39. What was the biggest hurdle you faced when you were starting up your business? The stigma that goes with lice. I actually didn't tell any of my friends for a whole year when I started the business. I really didn't. Tell I was. People you're making cupcakes or something. I, they were like, well, "Why are you working so long, long hours at the office?" And I couldn't tell them because I don't know. If, I don't think I was embarrassed for myself, but I hadn't told any of them of my own children having lice. Oh. That I couldn't even tell them. I oh, I started it because my children had lice. Why the stigma? There's other things that don't uh, are equally problematic, but they don't have that stigma. You know, I don't. I, I don't. I think people look at it as something dirty, and it's not. It's just like having a cold or a strep throat. You would tell your friends if your child had that, um, but it's always been associated with being dirty, which it has nothing to do with. Now, I know that now, and I'm not embarrassed about it, but it ha- it's just one of those things that you're taught as a small child that, you know, cooties, essentially. I you know? hated having cooties, too, so this is, <laughs> right, a, so. This is all very appropriate. They, now, when you got into the business, you, if I had to figure out where am I going to get my clients, it is a weird thing for, like, a billboard. Right. Right. So, and you can't advertise on your car. You, okay, no. You can't because if you're going to clients' houses, oh, you yes. can't oh, have it on I your see. car. Absol- absolutely. So I started um, in just one of the little family magazines, and I actually the first year had tons of calls from people just asking, is this what you really do? Because they just couldn't believe that this was a business. And But that's generally how I did it. And then word of mouth, especially in New Orleans, when people hear what you do right. and who took to care of it, they, you know, your phone starts ringing off the hook at that point. It almost point. be very, very sad, though, as kids from maybe maybe disadvantaged uh, socioeconomically, but that just have the stigma, don't know what to do with it, and then miss a lot of school, which is like how it snowballs. Right. So what I do usually is I, on occasion, um, do the um, continuing education for the nurses in Jefferson Parish, and they know if they have a child that's been out of school for a while because of lice, it's on the house. They just have to give us a call. 
Are you known as the Lice Lady? I am. Oh, I just I'm knew the that, lice but lady. I just, just didn't want to say it <laughs> on the air. Now, Dave, numbers 1 through 43, what are you going to go with? I think I'll go with 40. All right, 40. What did your parents do for a living? Well, I, my, uh, my mom was a, a clerk, basically, in local government. Uh, now, this we, is... Uh, in, in Northern England. Yeah, Northern England. So you are a... This is not a Thibodeau accent. No, no. no. You're Sorry. a European chemist, and yeah. so was... Dr. Victor Frankenstein, but oh, well, I'm just I'm just throwing that out. This <laughs> so she was in there. So my mom was a clerk, worked in local government. My dad, uh, really, the, the the thing that's fascinating from my point of view about him was he was uh, as far back as I can trace ancestry. I was talking to some of you earlier this morning, back to the early 1800s. My on my father's side, they were coal miners. Uh, everyone just that's what they did, and it was a, a very strong industrial area where I grew up, where I was born and raised. And um, at age 14, which is when he was kicked out of school by his father, uh, made to leave school, which was the, the age, uh, my dad was set up with a job to go and work in a local coal mine. And these were the classic old downshafts, you know, with the deep, deep, deep wells and the iconic wheels. And his story, which is my kids know off by heart because I've bored them with it forever, is uh, he went there, uh, walked up to it, looked at these wheels and said, mm, not for you, <clears throat> knowing that he was going to get the tar beaten out of him when he got home for not taking a job. And he did, but that was kind of a turning point, I think, in my life because he decided that chain is broken. Uh, mining and coal mines are a very noble uh, profession, but it's brutal in a lot of ways. And so my, my dad sort of broke that chain, which had been you know, close to 200 years old. And uh, so from, from that age, he went on to be a you know, a salesman, and then he did his military service, and then he went on into the uh, uh, to other sales, insurance sales. He ended his career with uh, what would be what, his eighth grade education, and, and lo working in local government. And he used to sort of sit there sometimes and say, this is amazing. I left school age 14. I have five guys with university degrees who report to me now. <laughs> How on earth did that happen? And so, you know, that's been kind of an inspiration. What do you get most out of what you do over there? We've been having a good time about the fact that you've got two separate jobs, but what is it that attracts you? So I've been very lucky that for the last 22 years or more, I've been working in a university environment. I mean, I worked in a couple of startup companies before that. I knew uh, pretty early that I was not going to be a Nobel Prize winning chemist. I enjoyed it, but I was drawn... Probably not as early as I am. Not as early. <laughs> but I was drawn much more to the business and economic development aspects of what the university does in this country in particular. It's a model that is uh, unique, possibly, in, in having served as a catalytic uh, engine, to, if you will, to, to really trigger boost economic growth. And, and a so model to be, that 40 years ago didn't exist. Universities well, yeah, kind of but it, it did. I mean, it did in terms of the, the Land Grant Act, which started in the 1860s. And so really, you can trace its history back to there. But now, yeah, you're right. Since the legislation came into effect that really created the offices that, that I've worked in over the years and that my friends Patrick and John, who you spoke with recently, right. work in. And so it's just really a, a phenomenal position to be in. You get to see world-leading researchers come to you with their ideas, looking for some assistance and ideas on how do we make this actually go from a lab bench to uh, a product in a pharmacy. On your side, Christina, what do you enjoy most about what you're doing? Obviously, you're fun to talk to at parties, which is, uh, which is nice, oh, yes. but it is, uh, <laughs> and, and I'll ask a backup question to it too, is um, do you grow from here or is it starting to get out of control a little bit or the, the growth? I, I would think you'd have situations like you're not 
you're not on top of the employees anymore. Uh, you've trained them and they're sort of on their own out there. They are, and um, and that does take time. Most of them have been with me for a couple of years. So, um, But the new ones that come in, I do make sure to get my hands dirty with them because I want them to make the client feel as comfortable as I do when I'm with them. Do they follow you around? Is that the kind of yeah, training? I, yeah, we actually, they actually shadow me, yes. And um, it makes for, you know, the interaction with clients so they can see how you calm a crying mother or, you know, a dad who's about to shave someone's head as he's holding, you know, <laughs> it in his hand and ready to do it. You know, it, that's the one thing I, the joy I get out of it is, is bringing everybody back down from, what is it, DEFCOM 1, what is it, 5, I don't know, whatever's the highest one, but that's where they are. And then you go there and everyone relaxes and you actually teach them a little bit about the bug itself. I kind of make it like a science project. In New Orleans, we're familiar with conversation about finding ways for businesses and the arts to come together. We're less familiar with the relationship between business and science. At one end of that discussion is the funding of long-term research and the revenue generation that comes from finding cures to life-threatening worldwide chronic diseases. At the other end of that science business spectrum is the small-scale, urgent, and immediate need for a cure for individual head lice. Dave and Christina, you represent these two poles of science and business. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you both for taking the time today to join me on Out to Lunch. Thank you for Thank having you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Dave Winwood. He's the Associate Executive Director of Pennington Biomedical Research Center and Assistant Executive Director of LSU Innovation Park. And Christina Womack, owner of Nitpicking in NOLA. You can find out more about Dave's double duty at both LSU institutions and Christina's interstate adventures with NITS by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans' Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurPhoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 